hand. We're in Mark chapter 6 tonight. I had entitled this, Do You Believe in Jesus? I think I could have just as easily entitled it, Is Jesus Welcome? Is Jesus Welcome? Chapter 6 of the book of Mark, uh, first six verses. We stand in our God's honor as I read the text. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, may we consider the question, are you welcome in my heart? Are you welcome in this church? Are you welcome where we go? Father, um, speak to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, you know, I thought in my own life of places where I felt welcome and places where I didn't feel welcome. We've all had that experience of you go somewhere and, well, there's no good way to say it. You're just not comfortable and you think, sooner I can get out of here, the better. I'm going to be nice about it. I'm not going to create a scene. But God, show me where the door is. And I'm going to head that way as quick as I can. But the opposite is also true. Isn't it wonderful when you are able to go somewhere and you feel like you're at home and you don't want to leave? And I know I'm sure I've told this before, but... We were going through, um, we were at a church and we ended up resigning and leaving the church. And of course we were hurt and we had a good friend who, their son had disappeared. And it was a terrible thing. They lived near Richmond and, and Ben would get up in the middle of the night and drive down the streets of Richmond just hoping that he would see Cameron. And later on they, they did find him. He had committed suicide. It's a terrible story, but. There was so much pain there, you know, because they didn't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. And then there was another lady that we knew who her husband was abusive and she had left him. And Anyway, the point is, we were together and we were all hurting. But I think that is as strong a time of koinonia that I can remember. There was such a bond. And nobody wanted to leave. We just comforted each other and... And and we really cared about each other. And, and that was powerful. And I felt so welcome there. And I loved those people so much. And and you guys could probably tell your story of a time where where you were somewhere and you just, you were at home. You were welcome. And, and yet when we look at this section of scripture here, 
Jesus was in his hometown. This was a place where you would think he would be welcome. You know, I know these folk. These folk are my folk. This is a place I grew up. This is my community. But he wasn't welcome. And um, as we look at the text, uh, it, it tells us there he went to his hometown. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. So they went and they listened to Jesus and they were amazed, the scripture tells us. Now that word amazed, it's uh, kind of interesting. It means seized with fear or struck with panic. In other words, they came and they heard Jesus and what they had on their mind is, I know him, I know his family. And they thought, well, let's go, you know, let's go hear him. And then when they got there, it says they were amazed. They were seized with fear or panic. You know why they were seized with fear or panic? Because when he spoke, they came wanting to just have, you know, just a comfortable, you know, nice little reunion with, with this guy they knew. But he, when he spoke, their hearts burned. When he spoke, the truth came alive. They were seized with panic because you could not listen to Jesus and remain the same. He nailed you right between the eyes, as they say, with the truth of where you are and where you need to be. You you couldn't be in the presence of Jesus and hear Jesus and not see you needed God and, and not have a clear picture of who you were without God. It was more than just a quick assessment of, I'm just going to go and I'm just going to leave. You can't get in the presence of Jesus and leave the same. When He really speaks to your heart. When you really hear Him. That's why they said in our text here, notice what they said. Where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that's been given him that even does miracles? When they heard Jesus speak, when they saw what He did, they said, man... This isn't normal. They, they, they were put face to face with their condition. Notice verse 3. They, they get so caught up in, in what they know of him that they were close to what they needed to know from him. And you see, Jesus, he wants to be more than just a vital part of what you do, where you go. He wants to be who you are. It's more than a sense of merely what we do. He wants our identity to be in Him. We're Christians, follower of Christ. It's not enough just to do nice things. Why do the nice things come out of our lives? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? And they were confronted with this fact. Who is Jesus? Notice what they said about Him. Um, isn't this the carpenter? In other words, they, they wanted to try to identify him according to the job that he held as he worked with wood. And chances are very good that a lot of these people that were there listening to him, he had done some woodwork for them. He had fixed some of the stuff they owned or built some of the things that they owned or done some kind of work for them. Isn't this Mary's son? You know, Mary, this is her boy. <laughs> and the brother of James, it names the whole family. Joseph, Judas, 
Simon and hey, aren't aren't these his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Interesting note with this, they don't say, Isn't this the son of Joseph? Because that was the common way to say it. This is Joseph's boy. Not this is Mary's boy. Because the typical way that you were identified was through your father. Through his family. So what were they really saying? Isn't he an illegitimate boy? Hey, Joseph's not really his father. Who is his father? Matter of fact, as you look through the scriptures here, um, in John chapter 8, in John chapter 9, there are two instances of this. So I'm just going to turn there and look at these. and What the leaders said to him, they kind of made these insinuations or these remarks about Jesus. 8.39 Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Now, when you really hear from Jesus, something has to happen. We see what their thinking was. We're going to get rid of him. You are doing the things your own father does. Look at their response. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. See what they were trying to say? We're not illegitimate children. Who's your dad, Jesus? Turn over to John chapter 9. Start at verse 28. Another instance of these accusations. Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow... We don't even know where he comes from. We don't know who his dad is. We don't know his family background. You see, people are okay with Jesus when he's in a manger. A specific time of the year to worship the baby Jesus. But they get a little upset when people say he was born of a virgin. That he was sent by God and and that God is his father. That he is the incarnation of God. Born to Mary. The Holy Spirit conceived. They get a little upset to look at it. What are you talking about? He's just a man. Or we talk about his preaching. He spoke of peace. He spoke of love. He spoke of full acceptance. And yes, that is true. But he also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He also made the point that his work is the only work that leads to God. There's no other way but the cross. He said, I and the Father are one. He didn't say, I'm one of the manifestations of God. He said, I am God. And the only way to God is through me. He spoke about hell three times as much as he did heaven. And I know in our culture we want to do away with hell. But the truth of the matter is, although it was a place really created for the angels, is a place for those who really don't want God in their lives. Who push God away until it becomes a point 
where God says, okay, have your way. You know, whereas we're here, we pray your will be done. And finally, God comes to the point and says, okay, your will be done. Tragic and sad. People want to see the Jesus who's dead or he's hanging on a cross. But he is the Jesus who is resurrected and he is alive. He is the living Lord. That's who he is. He's more than what we merely see. And he's more than what we merely understand. And many have the whole idea, if I can't understand him, if I can't fully comprehend him, then he must not be real and he must not be true. And think about how ridiculous that is. Why do we think we're so smart? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. What a great uh, section of Scripture where God is speaking And uh, here's what he says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. God's not just a bigger one of me. God is bigger than me. Completely bigger than me and he sent Jesus uh, at John three sixteen. we all know so well for God so loved the world he loves the world he loved the world so much that he did what he sent his one and only son and he did have a condition that whosoever believes in him not just those who say he exists but those who place their confidence in him those who put the weight of their lives upon the foundation of who he is, the Savior, the Redeemer, the one who comes to bring hope, those are the ones that get eternal life. Those who do not place their confidence and faith in him, they miss God. It says they perish. Not God's heart, not God's plan. He sent Jesus, so that wouldn't be the case. And it's arrogant for us to take our Lack of understanding to mean that somehow God doesn't exist or that he is less than what we can grasp. He will always be more than what I can grasp because he's God. Because <laughs> he's bigger than I am. Romans twelve fifteen says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And you know, that's what's sad to me. I look at this. God was right in their midst and they missed him. He wasn't welcome. They were there, but when I heard him speak, it became uncomfortable. And they wanted to leave. And they became offended. Because God loves you too much to leave you as you are. He draws you to him. He allows us to see our sin so that we see that we need a Savior. And that we desperately need a Savior. And so the question is, is Jesus really welcome? In my heart. Is he really welcome here in our hearts? And sometimes we have traditions or we have preferences. And they don't line up with scripture. We've been doing them a long time. And and the truth is we're wrong. And Jesus is not welcome at times. So the question is, God, help me get on my knees before you. To be in contact with you. 
and to see in, in context of how you work and how we see you at work through your scriptures and through the lives of your people. And, and so that we can ask the question, if I do this, will Jesus be welcome? If I say this, will Jesus be welcome? Through what I say, will the king have his way at king's way? And through the people who belong to the king, all of them? Hebrews eleven six tells us, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not you might please him, or there's a possibility. Impossible to please God. And why? It says because anyone, that's very inclusive, anyone who comes to him must believe he exists, takes that step of trust, must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He says, if you come to me with an honest heart and you cry out to me and you really look to me and you're willing to let me speak to you instead of shutting down when I become honest with you and want to reveal to you an area of your life that's not under my control where I'm not welcome, you'll miss my grace. And that's what happened to these people. They were people who were from his hometown. They were people who knew his family. They were people that were familiar with his workmanship. And yet they missed who he was. They became offended because they wouldn't be honest before him. And that's always the gospel. We have to be honest. As God speaks to us. As he wants to change us. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. His desire, his work, is to constantly be transforming us into the image of Christ. And the question we have to ask every day is, is Jesus welcome today? Is he welcome to speak to my heart, or am I going to shut down and not listen? That's what happened in this case. And he he wants to prevent us from doing that. You know, as I thought about this, I thought of two words. God, is my goal today to please you or to appease you? I looked up in the dictionary the word appease, and the word appease means to pacify. Is my goal is I just want to pacify God. I just want to get God off my back. I just want to leave him alone. I just want to make sure I stay on the good side. It's a lot different to appease than it is to please. Please means, God, I realize you love me. And out of that, I really do want to love you. I want it to be a dialogue. I want it to be a conversation. I, don't want, I want to do more than just get to heaven. I want to know you. So that when it comes time to take that step... It, it, you know, it won't be a forced flight, as I wrote in the blog earlier, but it'll just be, a, you know, a natural nudge as we pass over into eternity to uh, go into his presence. Um, I'd written here, when we gather for worship, we come not only hoping to meet God, but with an eager expectation that he wants to meet us. And we must prepare our hearts for the encounter. So the question is, do I want to merely appease him 
Adele won't please him. Is he welcome? Uh, once a preacher, A.J. Gossip, what a name for a preacher, Gossip. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Was away preaching at a certain church. When he returned the next Lord's Day, a great pastor, the Scottish preacher Alexander White, he came by and he said, where were you last Sunday evening? He replied, I was over at a certain church preaching. How was it? White asked, cold. Very cold. Cold? Cried White. I'd say that place is cold. I preached there two years ago and I still haven't got the chill out of my bones. And the question we have to ask each day, Lord, get the chill out of God should be a thrill, not a chill. And if there's just a chill, then we need to ask God, where are you? Because he hasn't moved, I've moved. And so it comes back to that question. Am I here just to appease God? Or am I here to please God? And ultimately, is he welcome? Is he welcome here? Is he welcome here? (laughs) Is he welcome where we go? That's... The question. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his house is a prophet without honor. It's so sad here. You know, as I read in verse 5, he says, he cannot do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. I'd like to say a little of that. That wouldn't be too bad, would it? A little healing. But Jesus wanted to do so much more. And, you know, it made me think, when we're closed and Jesus isn't welcome, what do we miss? What do we miss? It kind of makes you stop and say, Lord, forgive me. I I don't want to miss your best. I don't want to miss your blessing. And he was able to do a little, but he wanted to do so much more. Man, just what a thought. He wanted to do so much more. And he says, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. And so he left there and went from teaching village to village. Man, my hope is that when the hour is over, we'll leave. But that Jesus won't leave. Except with us. Because he's welcome. Because it's more than him just being in a building. We are the house of God. Let's pray. Lord. uh, The question is. Are you welcome? And the fear is. Sometimes no. Help us Lord. Help me. That the welcome out of my heart. Might always be on the front porch, Lord. Father, how can we expect to love you, to serve you, to experience what you want if you're not welcome? So, Father, do a heart search in in me and each of us. Like David, as he said at the end of Psalm 139, 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Father, as we prepare to stand and sing, do your heart search. And if we come to the conclusion that there's somewhere you're not welcome, then, uh, Father, may you change our mind, change our heart, so that we'll leave here knowing you're welcome. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.